This is Catalog and Cocktails. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday once again, and it's time for Catalog and Cocktails. It's an honest live conversation about enterprise data management. It's honest, it's no BS, and it's non-salesy, and we've got beverages in our hands. Hi, I'm Tim Gasper, a longtime data nerd and product guy, joined by Juan. Hey, Tim, I'm Juan Cicado, and it's always a pleasure to be here and take a break, middle of the week, end of the day, and chat about data in an honest, no BS, non-salesy way. And today, we have a fantastic guest. Uh, Our guest today has so much experience in enterprise data. It's Partha Srinivas. He is the current chief data officer of Verisk, which is one of the world's leading data analytics firm. If I'm not wrong, Partha, you'll correct me here. I think almost every insurance company uses Verisk data analytics. Uh, Partha is an award-winning global CIO and global CTO, CDO. I mean, you've been in the C-level for financial and insurance companies for the last 20 plus years. I mean, if there's somebody who knows a lot about data in the enterprise from an executive, that's Partha. And Partha, it is a pleasure to spend this time talking to you today. How are you doing, Partha? Thank you. And thank you, Tim, for having me. And um, again, this is going to be a no BS conversation too. So first of all, I'm, I'm certainly loving this conversation. I thank you for inviting me. Uh, I, I know um, I, I couldn't have done a better job of you know explaining my background, but you guys gave me too much credit. I'm learning every day. So I'm still learning. And this data and technology is so close to me that you got so much to learn and I'm still learning. So all those titles and all that don't mean. It's just that I'm still a student in in the world of data and technology, and I'm learning every single day. And well, I, this I, is an ongoing change. Yeah, I, I appreciate that perspective, and we're going to dive into that today. But hey, before that, let, tell and toast. What are we? Uh, tell us what you're drinking and what are you toasting for, Partha? How about you start? So I'm a no alcohol guy, so I have orange juice in my hand, and I'm toasting it on. For my wife, actually speaking, you know, so I think, uh, you know, if I'm something in the industry today, you know, if I've done something really good and if I'm learning and I'm having a good life, it's probably because of the support what I get from my family and my wife. So I, I want to do that. So that's what I'm doing. But the other one I want to toast is basically, you know, uh, just all about data. Right. I, I do want to talk about data and I love data. Data is a space which I have started focusing on these days. You know, for a long time, I've been a CIO type of a guy and moved into the world of data now. And I, I want to toast for data primarily because data is the new oil, like people have been always talking about. And the amount of data we are creating these days and the impact we can make in industry is amazing. So I want to toast for it because without data, I don't exist. So thank you. Thanks to that data. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love it. That's a good one. Toast to your partner, your spouse, your wife, and the data. How about you, Tim? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, I feel like those are pretty good things to toast you right there. Exactly. My that's, life that's and my life. data. Life. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that covers a lot of it right there. And uh, exactly. I'm actually drinking a uh, a beer margarita. My uh, first time I ever made it. And, and I know Juan and you and I are doing uh, beer themed cocktails today because of Oktoberfest and that kind of thing. And uh, you know what? Uh, I feel like there's a reason I haven't been drinking beer cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love I, margaritas too, by the way, just so you know, Tim. So I oh, awesome. Yeah. Margaritas, uh, margaritas are always good. Adding the it's beer to it, good. a little weird, but yeah, I'll try yeah. anything once. <laughs> so I do. My, one of my favorite beers is a good uh, Still Artois. And I was looking up for a. Uh, a cocktail and it's a raspberry cucumber spritzer uh and there's gin in here and some stella (laughs) 
Yeah, but I rather let's go. I also toast to my wife and toast uh, to Data because if it weren't for that and my family support, I, that's my livelihood right now. So, but cheers to that. Thanks, partner. Cheers. Cheers. So we got we got our warm up question today, which was a very specific one, and I think it's tailored to me. Which is that? Can you can you be both ethical and a fan of the morally dubious Seinfeld? <laughs> and for those who realize I'm a huge Seinfeld fan, and I think every single episode of his uh, of Cattle and Cocktails, I always have some Seinfeld uh, T-shirt. You can see it right here. Yeah, uh, I see that. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take this, and I say yes, you can, because there's a historical context around Seinfeld, and I think there's a there's a comedy behind that, and right. we have to we don't have to take things so seriously. I mean, that that's right. my answer to that. I don't know if you guys I, are. I, I can't agree more. I can't agree yeah. more. I, I think, but I, I think the key message on this one, and I know that's the topic of the day today, is being responsible, right? And being responsible with the data what you have, because you know you have a lot of responsibility in the way how you use it. But with that said, like you said, right? You know, can we have fun with that? Yes. Can we innovate with that? Yes. And that's the whole idea of bringing these two together. It's always a balancing act. So yeah, completely agree with that. <laughs> how about you, Tim? What's your answer? Uh, you know, I uh, when I saw this question, my thought was to be ethical is to be honest. Uh, you know, that's the theme of the show, right? Honest, no uh, BS. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what could be more honest than a show about nothing? <laughs> awesome. Oh, man, love it. So, uh, to, to, to Tish, who is our VP of marketing, who gave us this question, thank you. I love it. I, I well, love it, Tim. By the way, I, I did you make this T-shirt with the honest, no BS thing? That's nice. I did. Man. I did. It's it's one of a kind. Uh, at some point, we're going to open our merch shop. So stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for that. Well, all right. Talking about being honest and ethical and everything, let's go dive into our discussion. So, Partha, honest, no BS. What does it mean to be responsible with data? What does it mean to be ethical with data? So I, I think the key message here is, you know, coming from a company, you know, and with multiple companies where I've worked, which primarily works with data. When we talk about data, we're talking about petabytes of data, information about a lot of things, about people, about things, about companies, and et cetera. And, and the reason why we have so much data is because we want to make some sense out of it and make some valuable insights for our customers, partners, and et cetera, who can use the data. But when we, when we take that, the most important piece, what I always talk about, is about being responsible with that data. So which, when we say that, what does it mean? I gave you something, and it was given for a particular purpose. Are you using it for that purpose? Are you taking the data and not being responsible? And Because the data what you received was never yours. Somebody gave it to you for a purpose. And the fact that somebody gave it to you for the purpose actually comes with some responsibility that you had to protect it, not only for yourself, but also for the person who gave it to you because you're doing it on their behalf. So that responsibility is very critical when you play the role of a data steward. And this is pretty much, you know, pretty standard, right? I mean, it's at the end of the day, if somebody, one of your neighbor gives you something and lends you something and you're using it for some purpose at home because he said, you know what, use it. You just cannot take that and assume that it's yours and start giving away to all your friends just because you have it with you. And that's the way I see it is being responsible with data is extremely important because every single company today, and I talk about all the big names, what you hear in the news every single day today, Facebook got fined of like the $38 million in Ireland, et cetera. Every day there's some fine going on with Facebooks or Google and et cetera, primarily not because of privacy, 
and responsibility of the data and how they handle it. I'm not saying they are not responsible. They are extremely responsible. But with that said, there's always that catch of how you're managing it. And I think that's where I, I see it as, as an item which we need to keep an eye on from an industry perspective. And, and we'll talk more about what my principles of responsibility and how we can be ethical with the data in a few minutes. But I just want to give you the high level view of that. Yeah. Yeah, I love what you just said here. I was like, if I give you something for a purpose, are you using it for that purpose, right? And the and responsibility is to make sure that you're using it for that purpose. So if I, if if uh, if I'm if you got the data just for 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 action A, well, that's it. You use it for action A. And if you want to go use it for action B, Z, whatever, like. Well, that was not, I gave you permission for that. Ask for permission. Maybe I'll give it to you or not. So that, that's a really good framework to think about it. I like that. I, I, mean, I, I break it into three major buckets. When somebody gives you data, the first part is when they give it to you, you have a responsibility to protect it. So that's called the security and protection and all that. You got to protect it. They gave it to you for a purpose, which is where the usage rights comes in. What did they give it to you for? They gave you something and you can use it for a particular purpose. So that's the purpose. The third part is sometimes it comes with some level of respect and confidentiality. They gave it to you, but they don't want to tell everyone that that is what you're using it for. So that's the confidentiality. Because sometimes, you know, Tim may have given me something and he said, Parker, use it for this purpose. But just because he gave it to me and I'm using it for that purpose, I don't have the right to go tell everyone that I'm using it for this purpose with Tim's data. Right now I've crossed the line of that's where you get into privacy and confidentiality and all that. So that's very important in the industry to understand is that, you know, we always talk about, you know, if you really step back a little bit, five, four years back or even 10 years back, much of the focus has been all about security, IT security, right? And the world has now evolved from IT security to data security, right? Because the world is so broad now, flat. And I think mm -hmm. we have evolved from the data security to more about governance and ethics and et cetera. And that's where we are right now. So it's, a, it's a journey and we are still learning every single day. There's always something new coming up. I like that you're characterizing these three buckets here to kind of think about the different areas of sort of governance and responsibility more generally. Maybe it'd be useful to actually, you know, double click into each of these a little bit. Like, uh, you know, as you mentioned around security, right, this is a little bit um, some of the original intent around some governance, even though it's obviously not complete, right? Um, when you think about security and, and protection, you know, what are, what are some of the biggest concerns you think about there? Do you think about, you know, compliance? Are you thinking about sort of internal policy? Are you thinking about like a lot of these things kind of all coming together? It is. So even when we talk about security, and I, I use the word more than security, you know, we internally, you know, I internally and our CEO and our current company basically calls it as total data safety. It's all about protecting the data from safety. It's a protection of data. And that encompasses everything. It's an umbrella of everything what I just talked about, right? And when we take that, and I was specifically talking about, I'll double click on the security aspect when you talk about it. There are so many factors when you talk about from a data security perspective. Simplest things like what you do from a perimeter perspective and network and you know all the stuff what you do to protect your perimeter. Then all about when you have within the perimeter, what are you doing to with the data, which is the encryption and tokenization and stuff like that, which is how you're keeping the data. Okay. And all of these things. And then also the other factor is how you're monitoring it. That's where we get into the DLPs of the world and except that data loss protection. So how are you monitoring it, managing it, governing it? All the aspects goes into it. So to me, when we talk about safety of the data, within the factors of data protection, I call all of these things within that. So 
in that category, when people talk about IT security, which is where the perimeter security comes in, what are we doing with your desktop? What are we doing with your network? What are we doing with your servers? Are we patching it properly and et cetera? Are all part of the umbrella of security because we, it's all for the same purpose. What is it? We are all protecting data. The only reason we are always telling the bad guys, we are telling them, right? You know, we're going to protect it is what are they coming to the company? What are they trying to break in for? Only for the data. That is your asset. That is the asset most of these companies have. You go to the banks, you go to the insurance companies, you go to many of the companies, that is the one one asset what they can. It's not a real stuff, it's the data. So how do you protect it? And I think these many aspects help you go on that. So how does purpose then become uh, you know, a separate thing from from security? You you point that out as something that's unique. Um why do you kind of pull that out? I think that's a unique perspective. And I, and I, I think I agree with it in terms of, of really leveling that up to a first-class citizen. So, so like I said, right? So security is an aspect of you managing something somebody has given to you. Data has been given to you and you had to protect it. Mm -hmm. So you are ring fencing the data and protecting it so that it doesn't get lost and you can give it back to the owner of the data when it is needed or you're keeping it on their behalf. That's security. Usage is about taking the data which belongs to somebody else. Okay, it could be yours, or it could be third party, it could be another vendor, it could be a client who are feeding us information, taking the data and using it for a purpose. So when we take the example of a purpose, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, many of these companies are collecting a ton of information based on their rules, what they have said. They have said that this is what I'm using this data for. And they said, I'm going to use this data to give you better customer experience. I'm going to do this to cross sell something. I'm going to use it for marketing. Some may say I'm going to use it for risk. Some may say I'm going to use it for underwriting an insurance. But if I took the data, which I said, I'm going to use it for underwriting risk and took that and gave it away to some company for marketing, that was not the purpose. I never requested that because people will say, no way. I don't want you to give it out to somebody who will start marketing this stuff. That is why the purpose is an important factor is that you have to sort of segregate the two. One is protected. Another one is make sure you understand the usage rights. Respect somebody's rights of their data because the data belongs to somebody and you have to respect it. And I think that is very important as part of this. Everyone has their own right. That's the way I look at yeah. it. Makes yeah, it, it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I like that framework. I, I think, you know, some companies that are a little bit less mature and they're thinking around purpose may right. think of just like um, like GDPR, for example, right? Where they're like, oh, consent, like there needs to be some sense of purpose, right? And they're thinking from, sort of within that narrow context. But you, you're definitely think of in, thinking of it from a, a broader context. And I'm curious, you know, when you think about data responsibility, data ethics, sort of our, our topics today, is that, um, you know, is, is, is purpose something that you should kind of elevate to early in the process when you're defining your principles and your policies as an organization as part of what is our data policy, you know, is, is purpose part of that sort of conversation? Very much, very much. I think you said it really well. So one of the things, even when I took my responsibility in my company and the first thing, and I recommend that to all the, all the participants on the call is that the first thing is we all need to have a clear policy and a principle of a company to say, how are we going to be respecting? Okay. And you, you go to most of the companies, data companies, you will see what their policies are. They post it publicly and say, here's our policy. This is what we stick to. This is the rule. This is my constitution, which says that I want to be a very good steward of your data. I want to be a trusted custodian. I will protect your data. I will govern your data. 
I will ensure that your rights are protected. I will follow all the regulatory rules and compliances and et cetera, policies, GDPR, CCPA, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of that are what we would put it as an umbrella of this is your policy or a principle. Okay, that's one. In addition to that, culturally, the company can also extend, which is what I recommend everyone in the current world, is to be more responsible with your data, which is where I was talking about responsible usage of data, which basically means, and we, we use a lot of terms about responsible AI and responsible data, ethical AI, it's all being used all over the place. But at the end of the day, the purpose is all the same, is being responsible with somebody's data and the usage of it and making sure that we are transparent about it, that impartial about it, there's no discrimination there, and things like that are the one what we think about. I, I call it as, if, if you had to easily remember things, I use the word spirit, S-P-I-R-I-T. So effectively, this is my theme for spirit for being ethical, AI or ethical usage of data. Right, so when I take this spirit, S for security, P for privacy, I for inclusion and impartial, right? If that's basically I. R is for being responsible, and obviously the I was the inclusion P. And then the T is basically so because we have these so many words to remember, easy to take. That's the spirit of the company. What is the spirit of your company? Is basically to protect the data. And I think, you know, if you want to use it, feel free to use it. So you, you can easily remember some of the key principles of ethical AI. Well, let me get this right. Spirit, security, privacy, inclusion, responsibility, reliability, impartial, and then transparency. That's correct. Did I get the spirit? That's correct. This, you, if you got that, you know, you are basically making sure that you are very ethical and you're responsible with the data. So that's the spirit. What is the spirit of the company that's being responsible? That's what the word easy. It's easy to remember. So I just said, you know what? Let me come up with the word, what could, and spirit sort of resonates to the culture of an organization so you can link it together. That that's a that's brilliant. I mean, I have to say this this is this, this is the experience talk. I really, really like this. This is I, I know my next t-shirt idea. <laughs> Good. I know that. I'm getting that t-shirt, so by the way. When you make it, send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well. Let's dive into the other one, confidentiality. For businesses where we have B2B type of activities, where somebody is giving you data, okay, and they don't want to say that they're giving you data because, you know, there are many competition that happen, you know, there are many competitors. And so if I got it from somebody, so it's an example would be that you have a neighbor, you went and borrowed a hammer from somebody or they gave it to you. You have a response. You said, I'm going to use the hammer in my house to nail something. So you're going to protect his hammer because it belongs to him. You told him that I'm going to take the hammer and I'm going to nail something on the wall. So that's the usage. You can't take the hammer and basically go bang something else like a stone, which may break the hammer because the brand hammer has a certain value. It can only do certain things. It can be for nail, but you can't use it for some other purpose. That's the usage. Now, the third aspect is confidentiality. The person who gave it to you, you don't have to go tell everyone in the world that I got it from the person because the, the fact you said it, the, all the others will go and get it from that other person and say, can I get your hammer? They don't want to tell you that, right? Because that's the confidentiality between two people. So now you're breaking that trust. And that's why the confidentiality comes in is to say that, yeah, I know the guy, he's giving it to me. It doesn't mean that just because he has it, everyone else will go behind him. That's what marketing is. If you really apply the concept of marketing, right? It's between two parties. I like this. You got it. But when you take the data and give it to somebody else and somebody starts sending all these marketing materials to you, which you never wanted it, 
but they're pounding on your door saying that, can you buy this? Can you do this? They solicit all that. Now you're not being responsible unless you got the right to say that I got the hammer from you, buddy. But I'm going to tell the entire world that you lent me that. That's fine if you told them. But if you never, then you broke the confidentiality. That's I, I, sort of an easy way to understand it. No, this is great. I was going through these whole three, uh, these three things, security, purpose, and confidentiality, and kind of come up with an example. Mine was like a like the car. So I don't, I actually, I actually, I don't have a car. So I asked my Great. neighbor, I asked my neighbor, can you lend me the car? And he's like, yes, I will lend you the car. Obviously, so from a security perspective, I'm going to protect that car. I'm not going to, right? And from the purpose, I asked the car so I could go go to go get groceries or whatever. So I'm going to go use it for that, which means I'm going to use it for the day and and, and spend a, a 10 mile drive. I'm not going to go off to, to the next week and drive for thousands of miles. Exactly. But the reality is my neighbor says, I'll lend it to you, but don't tell people I'm lending you my car because otherwise so many people are going to come to me and I don't want to go through this. I'll lend it to you because you're my neighbor. You're my friend. So Correct. And then I will, I will keep it. I like these three things again. That's it. That's it. Security, purpose, and confidentiality. The three buckets. I like that example a lot too. That kind of yeah, helps that, 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 that actually the hammer. I'm, I'm going to I, steal your use case here. So I'm going to use the hammer example. better than the hammer one. Honest, no BS. My car example was better than your hammer example. <laughs> hey, I like both. I like both. Um, no, if I had to choose one, I'd choose a car one, not the hammer one. <laughs> no, I, I'll choose the car one too, man. I like it. I, I'm gonna. I said it. Yeah. No. Okay. Good. Good. This. This is great. But um, as you know, we, Tim and I were taking yep. notes, but we got so many so notes we, here. Tim, you got some stuff you want to go follow up here. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm. I'm thinking about this idea of uh, data responsibility. And uh, one of the things I'm thinking about is like, how how are you measuring data responsibility? Like, you know, how, how, how do you know that you're doing it, approaching it the right way from a measurement standpoint? Uh, well, let's start with that. Like, uh, how do you how do you think about that? Is it even sort of measurable? Or is that the right, wrong way it to is. think about it? It is, it is, it is actually you, you are bringing up, you know, there are industries which are coming up with that too. So there are different aspects of measuring that responsibility and then and you got to break it down into different categories so when we take the example of responsible ai i'm going to use that as an example and i'm going to connect it to the rest or ethical ai you know we can mix and mix the words here the intent of it is to basically run through some sort of a framework right the framework basically says what is the purpose what are we doing with that you know what is the scope of that work what is the type of activities you're going to be using it with the data and et cetera. And you test it with that. So it's a typical framework for that one. And usually companies will come up with framework. As a matter of fact, what we are hearing now from the regulatory bodies, recently Colorado came up with that. They actually want you to create a framework for this one. And they want you to run through all of this and show it to them as a proof saying that you've gone through this framework. It's like a control. It's like all we, all of us have internal controls in our company, right? For financials. Very similarly, you want to apply similar type of a control, which is a framework for risk management and ethical use of data. And they want to see how you're testing it. What are the criteria and how are you testing it? Show me the result and compare it. And they want to make sure that it's auditable someday. So there are frameworks being talked about in the industry. Now, if you ask me, is there an industry standard framework? I don't know. I have not seen an industry standard framework, which would work for a lot of people, for everyone in the industry. I would love to be part of that whoever is thinking so that we can all brainstorm and do that. If somebody has an idea who's listening to this conversation, if there's any, I would love to hear it from them and they, maybe they can share some ideas to that. But 
at this time, I have not seen, but you know, but we do have frameworks internally. Companies have been creating those, right? So that's one way to measure it. The other factors, so that's more from that usage, but the other aspects mm -hmm. of protections. So what I talked about data protection, data security, the usage and et cetera, there are very strict guidelines. As a matter of fact, even my own company maintains a list of scorecards and KPIs for that one on how we protect the data, how we manage the data, how it is secured. We have extreme level of tracking, which we do it, and that is monitored pretty closely, right? So I, I do recommend everyone to create some sort of, because I think what's a very good point, what you brought up, Tim, is that we can talk all about this, but in my world, if you cannot measure and you don't measure it, it will never happen. You've got to measure it. You have to have a KPI. And that's the purpose of a KPI is to execute and see the result of it. So I strongly recommend everyone on this call also who are listening if they have ideas, but my recommendation certainly is to create some KPIs and start measuring and create a framework for that one. So where are yeah. we on that? So, so there is none or are we- Well, there are, there are many. I would say, I wouldn't say none, there are many. The problem is everyone has their own framework on how to do it. Everyone has their own KPIs to do it. Instead, could we have a common way of doing things? Can the industry have a common way of doing this? Now, if you look into like, for example, NAIC has particular framework for security and things like that, we may have heard about it, right? So there are, you, you've seen all of these, you know, companies coming up with ISO standard for security, right? We have always heard about it. NIST framework for security. These are standard industry framework for that one. I expect those type of framework coming up for responsible AI and all that, where somebody is going to come together as an industry, start putting, there are industry standard, you know, principles being laid out together. As a matter of fact, I was recently with a meeting with uh, on the MIT CDQ. So effectively the MIT CDO meeting. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this. This was one of the subjects. And most of the CDOs in the industry, people like me, we all talked about this and there is some framework for that one. It's pretty consistent. Everything what I talked about, except the word spirit, I kept coined it. But if you look into the six themes, every single company will use the same theme. It's just that it's easy to remember when I say spirit, that's about it. But if you take that, everyone has to do the same type of a measurement. If we can come up with some mechanism to measure it and provide a maturity chart, like we all do it for NIST framework, ISO framework, NAIC frameworks, and et cetera. Mm -hmm. I wish we have one for the industry too. So th this is uh, reminding me one of the conversations we had, the first episode we had of the season with DJ Patil and um, you know the US first chief data scientist. And we were talking about ethics too. And, and he had this thing about, we have checklists for so many things. Right. What is the checklist for ethics? What, so it seems to me like one of the things that we should think about right now is, is this whole security, purpose, confidentiality, right? Think about the spirit. All right. Um, anything else that you would add? Like what is, if, we're, if, we're, if I, I can imagine we are producing data. I'm a data producer right. or we're generating a data product, a data set. Like what is the checklist that, that as a producer of that data should go through is like, okay, this is ethical that I'm doing to generate this data. As a consumer of this data, what is the checklist I need to go do to make sure that I received ethical, responsible data and I'm using that? Just what are, what are, very good what, what are you on that checklist? It's a very good question. And I, I know one of the things what we have always said, and I think it goes back to the six, six themes what I talked about in the spirit. There's one item which is all about transparency. So let's start with that first statement. When I'm collecting the data as part of the transparency, we want to say that I'm taking this data from you. So effectively, if I'm going to be the recipient of the data, I want to be extremely transparent to say, I want all of this data. I want the data about Tim. I want the data about Tim's personal information. I want to know his habits. I want to know his hobbies. I want to know this. 
That's the information I'm collecting. I'm going to be extremely transparent. That's the information I'm getting it out of this website. You see all these websites with cookies and other information. They don't tell you exactly what they're covering unless you read every single fine print. But it is there somewhere. All the disclosures are there. It's just that it's not easy. But if you start reading those disclosures, you can actually start seeing what is the type of data they're collecting, how they're using it. And sometimes they do write it in a very vague way. We collect personal information for this purpose. Okay, Hamid, I don't understand what you mean by that. Because for a layman, they don't understand exactly what you meant by that line item. I collect personal information. So what type of personal information? For marketing and, and customer experience purpose. Okay, so that's a very broad statement to say how you're going to be using it. But you made a statement so broad and it's very difficult to defend from a legal perspective because if everything can be thrown into that. It's like, you know what, chicken sink into that. But that's being transparent is to say that I am taking this data and I'm going to be using it for exactly for this purpose, which is basically like the example of the car. What you said is I'm going to be taking your car and I'm going to be driving it in town no more than 500 miles. That's about the max I'm going to do. You made it very clear rather than saying I'm going to take your car and keep it free. Let me dive in here. So are you advocating that when we talk about purpose, we should strive to be as specific as possible yes. when, it, when it's a purpose? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. I, I would respect that. I mean, again, this is an industry theme. It's a tough one because you know what? I'm saying the statement, but from an industry perspective, it is very difficult because many times what happens is many of these companies don't have a view of what the purpose is going to be in the future. Use cases mm -hmm. are unknown. They collect the data. They're sitting on an abundant amount of data where they have said a broad statement that I'm taking this data and applying it for some customer experience, right? The big companies like the Googles and the Facebooks and et cetera have collected the data. They kept it with some broad statement and they keep creating newer products and innovating it. But those products never So the more, the more vague they can be, the better, right? So because how can then, you uh, basically yeah. now say you know you can be specific so it's a very tough one to crack but i just want to say that if you can be extremely specific and that's what humans are asking right now that's what many of us are asking saying that you know what you're collecting so much data so all these companies what they're saying is okay fine if you don't want to give it you know we are giving you all these privacy settings in our product you decide what you want to give if you don't want to give shut it off but the problem is when you turn it off, you're not getting the type of experience you want, right? If I go to my teenage daughter today, she doesn't care what she gives up. I mean, I care what I do it. But she says, you know what? Fine. I don't care. She checks everything. Yes. Everything in the yes box. And they, they just want to give it away. That's the human mentality. Not realizing the impact because nothing in the world is free. Everything, when I, anytime I see the word free, it basically means you are the product. The person who is using it is the product. That's what they're buying because you gave it away free. Nothing is free. And that's the most important thing. So going back to you and your question about being that extremely transparent and seeing exactly what it is and measuring it that that's what you're using it for is a metric number one. That's what I'm talking about. That's the, can we get there? Yes. Does it involve a lot of work from the industry and many of the participants? Yes. But that's, that's the tough one to crack. This is interesting. This is really interesting because when it, when we go into defining what is a data product and who is the owner of a data product, and the, the like, we need to understand this data product here can be used by these people, right? And in, in, in this marketing department, because for these specific purposes, right? That's the stuff that we need to be very transparent about. And so, the owner of a data product 
need to make these things explicit and we need to have these controls around that. If we're not, then we're not being responsible. And so I think when we start thinking about treating data as a product, this is a fundamental aspect that we need to associate that. It's not just about, oh, here's data and then here's the quality about it and there's no nulls or zeros or whatever. It's like, okay, where does this come from? What can you use it for? Who can go use it uh, for what amount of time and, and, and so forth? So th this is very, very important when it comes to treating data as a product. You know, I think that um, there's a little bit of tension that can happen in use cases like that marketing use case, right? Between data responsibility and data ethics. Correct. You can be responsible for the data and be very poor at the ethics around the data, right? Or, or the fairness around the data, which I know yeah. is another topic, right? These sort of ethical versus fair. Um, you know, sort of two questions is one is like, you know, how do you foster data ethics in addition to data responsibility? And then, and do, do you have any thoughts on sort of fairness versus ethics? So, so yes, very much. So let me, let me put it this way, right? So I consider fairness to be part of ethical. So being fair is being ethical. So it is a part of it. So if I remember, if you remember in the spirit list, one of the things what I talked about is discrimination or indiscrimination, right? Impartial. You don't want to discriminate people, right? And which is where the fairness comes in. And these days we are talking about fairness, which are based on race, gender, religion, many factors. You don't want to discriminate people based on many of these things, right? That's the first one. Now, there are two things when we talk about, and here is where it becomes a broader statement. That's why I said when I use the word total data, and then when I talk about responsible, being responsible is about how you got it, what your usage rights are, and doing it with certain purpose. Being ethical is, is a step above that because now in addition to that, you have your own ethics, which basically says you want to be fair, you want to be inclusive, you want to be transparent, right? So effectively, the fact of transparency, when I get into that, is exactly the point where I was going earlier, is that you can be responsible saying, I'm going to take your data and I'm going to use it for a lot of purpose. You've done your part. Said you're going to take it. You told them you're going to use it for many purpose. I can't explain and I'll use it. And being transparent is being specific. And not only being specific, but also coming back and proving it that what you said is what you're doing it. So if you have a right and you said that I'm going to use your data for this purpose, we had to go back and say, these are the five use cases I'm using your data for exactly. And that is why you have all of these privacy rules that have come up, CCPA and et cetera, where it says, you know, they have these rules, which is forget me from your system, right? So effectively they have an ability where a customer a user, an end user, have the right, has the right to go back to a company X and say, I'm telling you to take me out of your system, completely erase me out of the system. How many of you have done this on this call? How many of you have tried that process of taking yourself out of the system and saying, forget me from the system? It is not easy. It takes time. You know, just trying to unsubscribe on an email, just junk emails, which we continue to get. Look at that. It is such a painful process because you unsubscribe and there are so many different sub-business units they've done. So the unsubscribe is only done for one portion, not for all. It keeps coming. They tell you it will be taken care of after 48 hours to two weeks sometimes. How do you track all that? Who has the time to do it? So what do we do? We give up on it finally and say, let it go to the junk folder. I don't care about it. Let me change the email address. That's what is happening. Is that is that not painful? Right. That's very simple in an email world when you get subscription. Imagine if your data has been used in so many different places. Matter of fact, that's, that's pretty crazy, pretty shady. Well, and many of us have become 
quite numb to this, right? And so maybe that makes state ethics even harder because we're like, well, you know, this is the standard. Exactly. This is normal, exactly. right? And what happens with all of these things is the, the amount of power these technologies have because of the data, what they have, the power they have to influence you with a particular decision. Human brain works that way. The more you see certain things, that's the only brand you recognize. When you buy something, they know exactly this is what, that's the only thing. So you just know only those two things. What are you going to do, right? I mean, our human behavior, how many of us today watch a movie on Netflix and Prime and et cetera based on a movie, what you know, and you look for it from a search button? Nobody. We just look into a movie and say, people like you watched this. How do I know? Did I go check all the people? But we just go click that button and say, people like you like this movie. We click on that movie. We start watching it and we keep adding on to that. because. So if I'm not saying Netflix does it, but if Netflix is telling you, that's the movie everyone watches. You believe in that. That is a responsibility that they're telling you the truth. But how do you know that people like me are the one watching the same movie? Yeah, but but th that may not affect me personally. Like, uh, whatever, right? But there are so. I mean, being very being very practical about it. Like, okay, so what if they? I mean, I just got a movie recommendation. And other aspects, I can realize. Well, they're using it for some stuff that is going to make a real impact in my life right but i'll take the example so let's talk about that too it does impact so even on netflix it does in a way you just don't see it directly you see it okay. indirectly because they're putting you into a loop on that one but let me go into the other side of it which is basically the amazon.com example you go there and you'll find that people like you also bought this product most of us buy these days based on the reviews and you know that there are many reviews which are false and etc they haven't they have a responsibility and I know these companies are really working hard, Facebook, Twitter, everyone, basically with all the fact check and et cetera. Now they're trying to say that they're doing it. That's part of the ethics. They're doing it. They're working. It's not easy. It's not an easy problem to stop, but it influences you on what you're buying. It influences you to how you bundle things. It influences you to do certain things. It influences you to vote to the right person whom you want to vote. It can make, so they can guide you to the way you want to go it's not based on what you think. It's just that you just don't even know that they're taking you there. So uh, that's, effectively, that's you're following based on that influence. That's a very fair point. I mean, there's, I think, direct influences and indirect influences, right? So exactly. I think those are the, the things you want to go balance. Right. So uh, an another thing I was thinking about, also going back to our conversation with, with DJ Patil, was um, the, the aspect of teaching, right? He said, if, if you're not, if you haven't been trained about ethics, you will not be prepared for in the workforce. What is, I mean, how are, are we preparing the, the workforce of tomorrow with ethics? Uh, what's missing? What are, well, what's your call to action for the students listening in? Uh, professors are, I mean, in the workforce. I, I think it is a very good question. And I will tell you that, you know, we as a company, and as a matter of fact, not only me, but the industry is working to be a very good educator on the seal because you know these things can be only influenced only when you know and learn things right the reason i'm saying something is because my parents taught me something this my teachers told me something and i'm over a period you learn from that we have a responsibility to train and educate people so now the call to action what i'm going to say is many of the companies including my company and etc we are trying to innovate and trying to educate educate our partners educate our employees when i say the employees like i said every single employee of the company we actually make it as part of our compliance process on an annual basis to sign like you have an employee acknowledgement which you need to sign 
when you join a company, we're making it as part of that. You make it as a commitment. Let us try to drive the change across the industry. And it cannot be done by a company or somebody. It has to be done by the industry. Everyone in the industry has to influence this change. Because only then it will work. Because if there's no point doing it in an island in one place, what's happening is because we are part of a large supply chain. I get data from somebody else. Somebody else gives me data. I give it to something. But if the supply chain problem, if the other person from whom I'm getting the data, they're not ethical, I don't know it, that's a problem. So how do I make sure that the entire value chain is ethical, which is why it is as an industry chain. So what we are doing right now, number one, is companies are taking it very seriously. That's number one. So there's a lot of companies who are in the forefront from a data perspective are taking real strong action on that one. If you go to the websites of many of these companies, you will see they're talking about it. That's the first one. And I did check it up this morning before coming in to see if these things are shown and you will see it. Just go to Facebook and you will see something related to ethical AI and stuff like that. So that's number one. Number two, we're seeing a lot of push from the regulatory bodies. And that's an important factor. The regulatory bodies are forcing certain change. Because sometimes, you know what, it's always good to influence, but sometimes you have to force things. You have to drive a change. Change happens by governance sometimes, like a constitution. So you have to force it. So what's happening right now is many of the states and the federal and then many of these are adding these type of request entities as part of that, right? So now you're seeing that many of the states, Colorado recently came out with that, which basically talks about some of these things. So many of the states are coming with being ethical and being fair on how you use the data and responsible on that one. So that's something which you're also seeing as the second one. The third one, which is an interesting one, you talked about universities. There is some level of call to action on this call, right? I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know if there are any people who are listening from the universities and et cetera. I do want to encourage them to start thinking about the space. I want them to create a course on this subject. Invite people like us to come and talk and tell why it matters. But the most important thing is because you had to cultivate it at that start before it goes. Because like I just said, a few minutes back, my teenage daughter, as an example, for her, she doesn't care but they need to understand the impact of it. They need to understand the ethics of it, understand the usage of it and et cetera. So I think we have to cultivate that knowledge to every single person to say that from, from your school, from your education purpose, that this is how it should be and this is what ethics mean and how you need to manage. I mean, we all learn in our school right now about how to be a good student, how to be disciplined. But what we don't know is we don't tell them how to be disciplined with our data. And we have started seeing in the industry now, right? You know, it used to be like a lot of people were going into engineering and doctor field and IT field. And now you're seeing a lot of people are going into special courses on data and analytics, data scientists, and et cetera. Many universities have come up with that. I recommend them to add the component of data governance within that course, because that brings some level of discipline as part of that journey. So I do want to recommend that too. So, so these are the call to action. Call to action comes from you know, it has to be, you know, grassroots. It has to come from all of us listening. We all need to ask the person from whom we are, right? So we should raise those questions. Number one, two, the companies which are getting our data should be responsible. Three, the regulatory bodies, you know, the government entities, they need to step up and do this. And maybe, you know what, the way, one of the ways they can do that is, you know what, incentivize people. If you're ethical, then I'm gonna give you some tax benefits. Simple way, money speaks. All right. If you do this, we will give you some break on your pride. But, but the fact that you said it, companies will say, I'm going to focus on it because much of the problem why many companies 
find it difficult to do this. It's not because they don't want to do it. They have other priorities. They have to make their revenues and et cetera. The fact that you gave a tax benefit and you put some sort of a governance with that. So what you have done is basically you've given them a break on the price to earn that money. Right. At the end of the day, it does it good for everyone. So go ahead and do that as another means to do it. So those are sort of my thought process. And obviously the universities, I think I strongly recommend. So, you know, so I'm happy to you know be part of that community and come and talk and give speeches to these universities and all that and talk about why it matters. Yeah, just a quick shout uh, one of my uh, colleagues and friends, uh, Professor Julia Soyanovic at the NYU, she actually has been pushing a lot on, on data responsibility, and she has courses on data responsibility at NYU. Uh, she's actually giving the keynote at the International Semantic Web Conference in a couple of weeks about this. So I think this is definitely a topic that, from the academic point of view, research and education stuff is something we're seeing. So I'm, I'm glad you're making that call to action. A shout out to uh, to Professor uh, Julia Sojanovic, that uh, this is we need more stuff like that. So um, wow. I'm really glad you're, you're you're making that call. Yeah, I think and, there was think one more thing we want to touch, Tim. Right? Yeah, no, I, I think there's one more thing. I, I really like your roadmap there, Partha, for you know the the education um, uh, sort of institutions and how they can do a better job. You know, last question here before we do our lightning round is. Uh, I'm curious if you can paint a bit of a roadmap for organizations that uh, maybe are early on their journey. Um, how do they start to set the right foundation for data ethics and data responsibility? Do you have some recommendations? Yes, certainly. So the first thing, the fact is, the most important thing is people, the call to action will be, take this as a serious topic in your company and take an action on that one. The fact that they are talking about it, and this should be a topic of the CEOs of the company. So I'll make it very, this has to be a very important agenda item for the CEO. I personally will tell you that I work in a company where I'm blessed to have one of the best CEOs in the world. And our CEO is so, so much involved in this subject. And he believes because his key focus is all about protecting the data, ensuring that we are ethically right and we're doing the right thing for our you know, for our customers and being that trusted custodian. I, I think when you come from that, it automatically percolates in the organization. Many times what happens is some of these conversations happens more at the, the level where they may not be able to make the impact across the organization. So this should be the topic at the management level. So make sure you have the right level of sponsorship. That's the important one. And if somebody helps, needs help on educating your CEO, happy to give some tidbits on that one. But in my case, my CEO was the one who educated me. So I got education from somebody else. But the fact is it's important, right? So it's important to get the sponsorship and knowing that it is important because you care. This one is all about caring about the community and the people whom you serve. If you take that in that context, you will try to do this. Everyone will do this. That's the first thing. The second part, what I would say is that make sure that you create a policy or a principle related to this. Okay. You don't need to start from scratch. Just Google it. There are so many different policies and principles which are available, which are pretty standard. You know, even today I talked about the spirit as an example. You can use that. You know, uh, you can go to basically the MIT CDO group and then you'll find out there too. So it's part of the MIT CDO symposium. You got that too. So you'll get those materials. That's the second one I would recommend. Create that. Third one is basically create a code group under the sponsorship of the CEO and obviously a CDO, if that's the person who's driving it. But more importantly, create that core group to drive this change across the organization. 
And then after that, like I talked about educating it, putting an execution roadmap and driving the chain. These things are not easy. It takes time. So don't expect things to happen overnight. But the fact that you have put a roadmap, the fact that you're going to be taking action, the fact that you're going to be having a KPI to measure it, the fact that you're going to be monitoring the progress will help. It's not only going to help you, it's actually going to help and the regulatory bodies are coming behind it. They're going to make you do it regardless. So you may be too late for one have enough time. So jump on it right now. This is the prime time. Get on it. That's my view. That's awesome. I, I, I appreciate Partha and this is, this is a, a, a quality I've seen of leaders who I admire that they're very specific, like one, two, three, stuff like that. And you've been like that today in, the, in this conversation. Thank you very much. It, it's, I want to go listen to this because you are very explicit about the things to go do. I admire mm -hmm. that. I learned so much from you. Thank you. This was great. And thank you. And thank you, Tim. Thank you both for having me because I, I think it's an opportunity for me to share and also learn from people if there are ideas which came up as part of this conversation. I've been reading some of the messages which has been coming here as you know our guests have been giving feedback. And if there are other ideas people want to share, I will be reading the message boards and learning from you and feel free to reach out to me. And I would awesome. always love to hear from everyone. So let's go into our, our lightning round. We got a couple of questions here. So uh, I'll, I'll kick it off here. Uh, you mentioned you can measure data responsibility. Can you measure data ethics? Yes. All right. Tim. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, security and protection, right? Um, you know, some people think of that more as an IT concern. Some people think of it as more of a data concern. Um, is data security more part of data governance than IT? So I believe that this is more of a data governance, more than an IT, and specifically I make it as a business problem. I, I think which is very important, and I, I know it's a lightning question, but I believe that it shouldn't be seen as an IT issue, it's a business issue, and we should treat it that way because of the impact it can have. Yes. Mm -hmm. Should the CDO ultimately be responsible for the data? In other words, does the book stop with them? No, the bug always stops with the CEO, but the CDO has the responsibility. So the ownership of data stewardship, the responsibility of data, being a responsible data owner should always be the CDO. You should always have an accountable person in an organization to take that. So the answer to that is yes, CDO, but it is a collaboration between the CDO and the CEOs of the business units or the product owners and et cetera. So I don't want to think about it that somebody in an ivory tower makes up all these policies and rule and nobody follows. It's a collaboration, but CDO certainly the buck stops there. Okay. Well, I like your explanation there. Um, all right. Last lightning round question. I think you've already answered it actually as part of our, our sort of last uh, official question is, uh, is starting with the data policy and principles, sort of the constitution, uh, a key starting point for the CDO trying to get the program right? Very much, very much. It helps because you put a framework, you put a culture, you put a, a goal and a mission statement in that policy and principles. If you didn't have the Ten Commandments, if you didn't have the Constitution, what are we going to follow then? Right? So, yeah, that provides the, the foundation and framework for everything that comes after. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. And with that, it's, uh, it's time for our TTT, our Tim, Tim Takes It Away with Takeaways. Awesome. 
Yeah, I took so many notes, and uh, learning is definitely a theme here. And uh, appreciate Partha that we could we could learn from you uh, during this conversation. Uh, two things that I thought I would mention in my takeaways are first of all, spirit. I think that's a great acronym and a way to really focus. I hope that becomes more popular. I am going to make that T-shirt. Um, and uh, you said it's security, privacy, inclusion, responsibility, reliability, impartiality, and then transparency. So I think that's a really great way to think about things. Um, and uh, I really liked your roadmap that you laid out. And, and to Juan's point, I thought it was very specific and provides a really great prescription here, which is that take this seriously, get the sponsorship, right? Make sure that you're creating your policies and your principles and use that as the foundation. Create your core group under your sponsorship of the CEO. Uh, execute, right? Do your, your rollout, your education, your evangelism, right? And then measure, right? Measure against those KPIs. So uh, that is a great, a great framework and perhaps uh, will help save some folks some time that uh, are trying to read a bunch of governance books and try to, ah, how do I tackle this beast, right? Here, here's the roadmap for you. So appreciate that. And uh, Juan, what, what were your key takeaways? Yeah. Well, so talking about frameworks, these three buckets that you have, the security and protection, right? When you get data protected, you got to monitor it, manage it, have understand what the access is, is if my neighbor land me his car, his or her car. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to take care of that car. Uh, the purpose, what is the purpose of your data? Use it for that purpose, right? Create a culture around how how to how to be responsible around that purpose. So if I, my neighbor lent me his car for, to go to the grocery store, well, I'm using it for that, not to go on a road trip. And then third, confidentiality. You don't have to tell any, tell everyone if that's what was told, like this is just for you. My neighbor doesn't want me to tell everybody that they lent me the car, so don't do that. Because otherwise everybody will ask for that. So don't break that trust. Um, and then you have this, like we're talking about this checklist of being responsible things is what, again, transparency about what are you collecting? What do you have? And, and I, you had a very bold position is we should be specific on the purpose, but this is a balance that we're going to have to find out because you acknowledge that being vague enables us to go use the data for unknown use cases. And that's a good thing, but it's a balance we have to go have. And I think that, 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 that's something that's still open uh, to discussion there. Yeah. Uh, but but it's something for us to think about. Uh, Parth, again, this was a fantastic discussion. Uh, thank you so much. I'm going to throw it back to you for your two final questions. One, what's your advice broad about life, about data, whatever? And second, who should we invite next? Thank you. So first of all, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thank you for everyone who's listening to. Um, so I, I'll tell you that I learned a lot as part of this conversation, to be very honest, because you know what? When you talk, when you share, you learn. Because the questions what you were asking actually reminded me to think few things, which I may not have thought through if I didn't sit like this for an hour with somebody and talk about it. So I appreciate this opportunity to talk to you and also learn as part of this conversation as I was sharing what I've learned from many of my peer groups and people who have given me a lot of advice on what to do. I'm still learning. So, so if you ask me the first advice, you know, keep learning. That's my first advice. Right. There's always the world is the only thing which is constant in the world. Everyone says is what's changing, right? That's all it is. It continues to change and evolve. And there's so much to learn. So I, I would say that keep learning and keep uh, keep your eyes and ears open because you know what? You don't know who's going to teach you next. Right? So that's the point number one, what I would share. So that's the advice what I'm going to give you as uh, as part of that. What was the second question you want? What did you have on the second? Who line? should we invite next? 
All right. Okay. So I do have, I'll tell you that my network of CIOs and CDOs in the industry who are experts in this field are so many people, right? I'm going to let them down if I don't let somebody else name or something, but I'll give you two names just for the record, but there are so many great people who have been my partners, peers, and advisors and et cetera. Number one, I don't know if you talked to Cindy, she is ThoughtSpot CDO. She would be an amazing one. She I am likes a to huge Cindy fan. I Actually, she was a huge inspiration to go do Catalytic Cocktails, and I'm so excited that she will be a guest. So she is amazing. She would come with a lot of energy. And I know we focus today about a sort of a dry subject in the industry, which is more about being responsible, being, how do we govern security and all that. But the fun subject is more about the innovation. Once I have this, I'm responsible. I can use this. The magic what you do. I allowed to talk that subject more, but I know I wanted to remind everyone that you know what, don't get carried away by innovation, but forgetting that you're responsible. But with that said, I think she could be a great asset to bring some of those thinking process on how to use AI and new technologies in the data world. That's number one. The other person whom I would also recommend if you have not talked is a person by name Mano in Travelers, Travelers CDO, uh, Travelers Insurance. He's a great asset. He brings a wealth of knowledge in financial services, insurance, and he give, he'll give you a different perspective on how corporate companies are using data and how they're leveraging it and the value they get out of that and all that. He'll give you a different flavor of it, right? I mean, from a product company to that type of a company. So I'll share those two uh, for now. I mean, obviously we'll talk offline if you need more names. That That's fantastic. And just a, a reminder, Cindy is actually going to be a guest on November 10th. So I'm uh, really excited, and we will definitely uh, reach out uh, to remind me. Uh, His Mano? name is Mano. So M A N O Mano. Mano He's the chief data officer at Travis. Excellent. Well, Partha, again, thank you so much. This is a fantastic discussion. Uh, and cheers. Looking forward cheers. Uh, to listening to this episode again. And just a reminder next week, it's a special edition of Callan Cocktails because uh, it's a. Uh, Tim versus Juan edition, uh, data mesh. Who's gonna mm -hmm. win? We're so much. We've had. I think this is gonna be our third episode about data mesh. Data mesh is such a topic everywhere. We're talking about it, and we just need to go talk about it again and have a Juan versus Tim fight. Who's gonna win? I'm gonna be anti data mesh, and Juan's gonna be pro data mesh, and we'll we'll get to the bottom of it. <laughs> okay. Juan, I'm in your camp, man. All right. <laughs> 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 All right. I'm going to have a lot of haters, I think, next yeah, week. Yeah, well, I know, I know Shamak is probably listening, so we're, 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 we're here working together on this. All right. Good. Martha, thank, thank you. you so much. We appreciate it so much, and, and you have a great rest of your day, and we'll keep chatting. Thank you. This is Catalog and Cocktails.